Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, it's the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are the independent voice of Fulham FC. And well, bear with me here, but how apt that on a week where who wants to be a millionaire returned to our TV screens, Fulham were thrown a lifeline on Sunday with Reading drawing away at Cardiff City. However, Fulham came out on the wrong side of this 50-50 and will face a playoff campaign. And uh, I'll be asking an audience tonight of Secretary Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Dom Betts. Hello, hello. That was awful. That, please <laughs> never say that ever again. You need more alliteration, that's what I think. Yeah. I thought I'd change it up, you know, make Don't. it topical. I was going to do something with the warm weather, but then I thought that was too That probably would have been even worse. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm not going to be tagging AC Jimbo in that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, loads coming up uh, in today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Full Birmingham dissection. All the fallout uh, from Colin Warnock's record eighth promotion. Uh, and we have a stack of questions as well. We'll be looking a little bit at Derby, but we're going to be having two podcasts this week. Uh, and that second podcast is going to be looking at Derby in far more detail. Today is mostly... Uh, just all the fallout from Sunday. There was there's so much to talk about. We've got so much to get through. Uh, let's have some three-word reviews first, though, Jack. I'm going to mix it up, take some from Facebook, because we've not done that for ever, basically. I don't think. I think we've done it once. What is the quality like on Facebook? Um, it's different. <laughs> different. It's basically like going on TIFF after we lose. No, it's not that bad. Um, so we've got we've got some good ones actually. This is from Stephen John Hyatt. He says not over yet, and from Graham Hyatt, who says keep the faith. I really hope they're related. And we've just got these two really really like positive brothers in the house, like thinking about what's going on. Cheery chaps. Yeah, exactly. That was good. Um, we've had some. Uh, there's a lot of them about bottling it, which is is fair enough. Mike Hopkins didn't turn up. Steve Lewis exactly as expected, which I, which I kind of liked because Steve Steve really didn't fancy it. Um, <laughs> but James Martin came through with full ham ish. Ah, very nice using the name. Well, this season full ham ish are backed by Ladbrokes for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. So let's get into Birmingham. Fulham's automatic promotion dream came crashing down on Sunday as Fulham melted in the heat to a three-one defeat. And I didn't plan on that ride. Uh, KG opening 10 minutes, Jack, and uh, Fulham had the best opportunity to take the lead. Should Lucas be doing a lot better with that early chance? Well, in a word, yes. It's about four yards out. He's, I don't know why he slides. He's going to get there, and he just sort of like launches himself at it instead of just tucking it into the bottom corner. And One of the things we say about Piazon is that while he might not be effective over long periods of games and while he often goes missing you can usually count on him to put the ball in the net when it matters and when it really mattered and when it could have changed the game Lucas Piazon managed not to do that and that's you know quite a damning indictment on his game because for the rest of the game he was almost completely anonymous well, it's, it's very typical of the game wasn't it like the one time we needed to do something we couldn't do it like, I, I was saying this like after the game and pretty much during the game. I was like, I don't care if you get 23 games unbeaten. If you can't win the game, you need to win. Then what's the point of it? Well, it puts you in the position. I know it does put you in the position, game. but like, there's no point. There's no game to win if you don't win the 23 unbeaten. Yeah, I know, but I just don't... You, just, it's annoying that the only game that you can argue... We, okay, we needed to win other games, but we needed to win. We couldn't do it in the 23 game unbeaten. Yes, Birmingham had a good game plan, which worked for them for a tee, but half our team was a disgrace, really. I think only two two players played above a four for me in Kevin McDonald and Tim Ream. Kearney, as a captain, I thought was a disgrace. His, his head down went after 1-0, wasn't leading as a captain. We mentioned this multiple times. He's not captain material. The captain should be Kevin McDonald. We've seen that when he has been captain. 
I don't honest and Fredericks. I don't know what happened to him. He just couldn't play his normal game. He just his touch. I think I said after about ten minutes. Oh, Fredericks' touch has really improved in the last six months. Well, it clearly didn't improve in that game because he couldn't control the ball for fun. He couldn't put a cross on target. I thought Johansson. Yes, he, is, he he had a good work rate, but he, what was he actually doing? I mean, there's there's a point here to be made though about Johansson, and I, I raised it on Twitter, and I'll, I'll raise it again. Someone said that, you know, I think it was uh, Fu Luke who often comes up with with very sensible points about Fulham. It's a very aggressive handle, that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about Fulham, but I, I, I'm, I'm I'm guessing. <laughs> but it's one of those things where he said, you know, Fulham fans feel like you can't criticise Johansson because he runs a lot. The point isn't that you can't criticise him. You have to criticise Steph after a, a performance like Sunday's, right? Where Steph wasn't very good. But if you're not playing well and you put in a shift, it does somewhat. It doesn't make up for it, but at least it shows that, you know, when you're not playing well, you're going to put in an effort. As opposed to Tom Kenny, who had a terrible game and stro strolled around moodily for the entire thing. There were far worse players on the pitch than Steph on Sunday. I thought one thing, actually, was um, everyone was like, really happy when Kamara went on, but like, no, I thought Kamara was useless. I'm, yeah, I completely no, I, he was. He was good. He was good for like two minutes. He made that. Well, the only thing he did was made that run all the way around the box to keep the ball in. I was like, well, well done, and like crashing into Birmingham players in the first five minutes. But he had that chance where he just couldn't kick a football. And yes, he, so basically, Kamara can't do anything a normal footballer can, but he can also do do stuff that no other footballer can in just yeah. racing to keep the ball in when he doesn't need to. I don't understand the point of bringing. I don't understand where Cabano was. We we need a dynamic wing off the bench. I've said it multiple times. Like you say, is not a, someone you bring off the bench. He just it, he doesn't do that. He's someone you start on the pitch because he's that sort of player. Same as Shea Ojo, who's actually in the away end. But yeah, I thought I just thought the whole performance was awful. Dennis Adore, I thought had a t pretty terrible game. Um, yes, he he was good in some bits. The, the, I pointed in the first half when it, he's fighting with Yukovic for a ball. He lets the ball bounce. Yukovic runs through. Yes, he goes get back the ball. Brilliant. But then. Third goal, I thought it was an absolute embarrassment. Yeah, it was really, really you, bad. I know, I know, like it's two one, and if he scores, it's game over. You don't stop running. You don't do that. I'm sorry. Although Benelli equally at fault. Yeah, he's equally at fault. But I'm, I'm sorry, it's just, it's, a, it's a disgrace from a dodger to stop running and not putting any effort in. It was very strange. I know, and I mean, because because when he missed missed the ball, obviously for the, when it, we let it bounce against Jukovic, he went back and got the ball, but. I mean, there's an argument that even that Kalash should come back in for this game. Well, let's let's go through the game a bit more chronologically. Sorry, we, I, feel we like, had, I think Dom had to get that I out think of we system. had to get that out of our system and I fully let it go. But let's go through it uh, a little bit more uh, controlled and then we can try and like diagnose the, the game kind of piece by piece. Well, the first goal from Jukovic came pretty early on. There was something in the game about Sunday. It didn't feel right from the first minute. I don't know if it was the atmosphere. I don't know if it was the heat. I don't know what it was, but it didn't feel right. As soon as the player steps on the pitch, I, I just felt like this is going to go wrong today. And I don't even that was even natural pessimism. It was something kind of in the air. And then just so quickly uh, that became the, the, the case. Wes Harding in acres of space uh, down the right-hand side. It's a good finish. Where is Matt Target? Well, I just don't throw enough on a pitch. No, okay, but that's a separate point. But at, the, but at this point, there is no left back. Like there's in and he's just even, he's, caught, he's caught completely up. He's pitch. not in. He's not even in shot. No, has so much time to put that cross in. It's a good finish from Jukovic, but it just seemed like it was it was so easy. It had to be poor defending. Well, yeah, it's just like the most foot manager goals. Like pump it into the wings, pump ball into the box, and goal. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I know that, but you got to give credit to Birmingham in this game because their game plan was on point. But we did not, we helped them massively, and they seem to every, every time they get the balls on the wings. I, don't, I think it was Boga, was it Magoma as well on the other side? Magoma was giving um, 
Ryan Fredericks and yeah, Torrid. And, and, I just, I, it, it, and Piazzo. Yeah, and we just always had so much space to just whip the ball into the back post. And and obviously, um, with the with the first goal, yes, it's a ball to fizzing across the box. All it needs is a touch to go in. But I don't know. Well, you, I think you mentioned Ellie should do better. I think he should come to it. I think he should come for it. I think he should he should gather that ball. But it's, it's one of the. I mean, like without using the old cliche, it's proper in the corridor. That that's not easy. No, it's not. But I, okay, all right. He should make a decision. If he comes for it and misses the ball, at least he's come for it. And oh, he'd be done. slating him. Well, I think he's as bad staying on his line. He's never going to save that from two yards out, is he? He's never ever going to save that. It's impossible. If Jukovic gets to that ball, he scores. So the best thing you can do is make a play at getting the ball off Jukovic, right? I, I guess there is some logic to that, but he also could just make himself big and Jukovic can't exactly direct it, so just like play a game of percentages. Also, and... why does he always have his best game of the season against us? Jukovic? Yeah, yeah he well, loves... And every, other, and every other Birmingham player. To be fair, no, last year we were just rubbish, I thought. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to come on to the tactics of Birmingham. They went with a pretty standard 4-4-2 against us, which should have really meant that we'd kind of overrun the midfield with our five in there, but it really didn't feel that way. It didn't press us high, which is quite opposite to what most teams try and do. They try and stop our passing through the back. Birmingham just went, now nah, you know what, lads, do what you want. Um, until you come into like towards the halfway line, we ain't going to even try. And then just exposed our flying fullbacks really down down the wings it seemed like so simple did Slav get tactically outmaneuvered by Gary Monk I don't think he no. did but I think there was just no urgency to our play we were so passive it, it, were, it was like not like Reading of last season but there wasn't any directness to our attacks I thought it was exactly I thought there were so many similarities to that Reading game last season and I was just like we we kept I think we had actually had more chances that Reading game last season mm. but my, what I just don't understand is that we were so, Kearney Johansson were just so passive with the ball there was no there was no there was no directness to it no dynamism to it we weren't trying to didn't like we were trying to go towards the guy I mean whenever the ball came to Mitrovic there was no one around him for him to play into Mitrovic didn't actually have a bad game I don't think no. he, he held up the ball pretty well but there was no support from the wingers or the midfielders Kearney was nowhere in sight I was getting to the point where I thought you might as well take Kearney off and bring Rui Font on because he's going to be close to Mitrovic he's, gonna, he's got a point to prove he clearly has a massive passion for the club but I, I, yeah I think I think the, the Gary Monk's tactics was spot on our record against Gary Monk's size isn't that good in the first place and against Birmingham well we used to be really good at St Andrews to be fair but in the last two years it's been absolutely dreadful but I thought yeah as I said in uh, earlier that everyone just had a two or three out of ten apart from Reeve and McDonald I think there's something else to be mentioned in the fact that it's not about being tactically outmaneuvered if Birmingham set up to dictate a certain style of play and we can break them down in terms of you you know when we de- dominate teams with two in midfield it's teams that come out and play and play expansively because we can pass our way around them but it's very hard to pass your way through two banks of four and that's how they set up for the majority of the also, game and uh, what i didn't what i didn't understand with slav either half time or in the 60th 70th minute is surely the way we're playing isn't working we've said this all season long especially in the first six months when we were playing pretty bad that surely you should you, you as a manager you think oh I need to change up my tactics change up the style of play I'm playing to then counter attack the way they're playing so then they have to readapt theirs but that just didn't happen he just kept playing this turgid boring football that was just playing out wide to the wingers who couldn't cross the ball in Mitrovic getting the ball sometimes for, for a decent long ball but then no one being around him I just didn't understand why there was no adaptation to the formation we were playing but 
it's one thing with some of our failings going forward, but at the back, it was it was Birmingham. Every time they they attacked, looked like they were just going to carve us well, open. They had Tim Williams had to cover every player because everyone else was all forward back. Yotta tore through us like a knife through butter, and he's done it so many times before. And I don't even know why we were surprised, but it happened again. Well, I mean, it was him that got the assist uh, for Birmingham's second goal. Harley Dean. Uh, free at the back post with that much space from a corner originally. I know it then it kind of went back out and came back in. But for for, for their main centre back to have that much space at the back post, it, it was just we were at sixes and sevens at the back. And yes, okay, we had failings going forward. But we did have a few chances. I just thought defensively, it was it was really really worrying. My first critique critique of Tom Kearney for the day, and there are going to be many, um, was that when that ball comes to him at the front post, he doesn't just leather it, get rid of it. He tries to play like a chipped pass out of the box and Yotta picks it up 25 yards from goal. You can't be doing that when you're facing a corner against a team who are obviously bigger and stronger and taller than you. You can't be giving their best playmaker the ball on the edge of the box after a corner because second balls are always the most dangerous of corners. That's why we try and work short corners, is to try and work advantages like that. Of all teams, we should know that that second ball coming in is always going to be more dangerous. And Kearney's sort of loose attempt at a clearance, which doesn't, you know, doesn't travel at all, is you know, embarrassing, frankly. Does anyone come out of the game with some credit? I think Tim Reid does. And then possibly Ken McDonald. McDonald. But I don't think anyone else does. Maybe, you could argue maybe Cyrus Christie. Cyrus Christie did all right when he came on, so did Floyd Aite. Yeah, I thought Floyd my, was impressive. My argument with Floyd Aite is, yes, he was better than Piers on. But That's I, not saying that much. Yeah, I think... I, 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 yes, he was OK, but he didn't offer anything. I thought, oh, wow, whereas... Cyrus Christie stuck out maybe because he was actually having some directness to his play he could control the ball and was actually putting in some decent crosses we just couldn't get on the end of him and I thought yeah but from the starting 11 I thought everyone else was a, at least a 3-2 or 1 apart from Reem or McDonald I mean McDonald was getting so angry with with the likes of Kearney with the likes of Johansson with pretty much the whole team like what you can see in his face like what is going on here with, and Reem was just pretty much covering the entire defence because the whole entire defence had a day off and he was just he played phenomenally well but then that's what he's done all season long he's like if he doesn't win play of the season it's quite frankly a joke well um, Matt Target was obviously having a torrid time in that first half and not just because what was going on on the pitch just clearly wasn't well and the moment where he kind of throws up mid-air when challenging for the ball with Lukas Jukovic is it was it was quite frankly odd and, and Jack and I were literally meters from it I think if we were any closer we might have been in a bit speckled of, yeah we might have been in a little bit of danger but what do we think that was with Matt do you think he was ill before the game and he just clearly wasn't fit for the game and I don't understand why he was being played. I think that maybe, look, so if you're a professional athlete, you're trying to play in as many games as possible, right? And, you know, it's testament to his kind of work rate and drive that he wants to play in those games. I think if that game had been played at night, if, it, if we'd ended up having a Saturday night game, and obviously it's not possible in the last game of the season, but not in the blazing heat. No, but let's say our, the Championship and League 2 games are swapped. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah we were playing I think Matt Target would have been absolutely fine. I think that... The you know obviously he's been recovering this week, com- and then combined with the heat of the day and you know all of the situations just probably got on top of him. And I think that he he's probably been victim of circumstance more than more than most there. I'd say. You have to remember, and I think it's because he plays with maturity above his years. He is only twenty one, yeah. and a twenty one year old would be desperate to play. And now, we've been there. We're thinking, oh, I'm really not feeling very well, but I really want to do X Y thing today so I'm just going to keep it under wraps not tell anyone and I'll, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll be fine and maybe it was just a case of 
well, you weren't fine. And, and, and it's hard to blame him for that, but it was it was clearly something that Birmingham exploited. Someone that. said to me earlier that they, th- they, could, they thought our players had been food poisoned, not like on purpose, not like a, we're not talking a Tottenham lasagna, yeah, lasagna job here, but like that something wasn't right with what they ate the night before because everyone was sluggish, everyone was slow, no one really had any dynamism and, you know, Target especially, you know, got came off worst of all of it and I don't think it's the most ludicrous suggestion in the world to suggest that something wasn't right. Or is it just... 1230s you know Premier League football is famously Wayne Rooney always said 1230s are difficult to prepare prepare for as a footballer because you know you're eating pasta for breakfast at 6am it seemed like the only thing that was going on first thing on Sunday morning was the players being woken up by a uh, fire alarm alarm if uh, Tom Kearney's Instagram story uh, is anything to be believed there's been a lot of debate Dom about debate on Twitter um, amongst Fulham fans because you're in a bit of a weird situation where the club has been on such a record-breaking run, 23 undefeated. It doesn't happen to many clubs in their history and, and it hasn't happened to Fulham in their history. So some fans going, well, you can't criticise the team because they've been on such an amazing run, but others saying, look... I'm allowed after a game to call out players for having a bad performance. It doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what they've done in the past 23 matches. It's just a case that on the day on Sunday, when it really, really mattered, some players just did not turn up. The argument that you can't criticise because they've been on 23 game, 23 game on beating runs is a load of bollocks. Because it's if they if we won that game and Cardiff Reading game stayed the same, we would have gone up. So they're not like immune to criticism. They're foot they're footballers. We are as fans allowed to say what we want. That's the reason this podcast is there. But yeah, I, I, we, they are due to criticism. But as I said, we did they did this amazing run. So you've got to credit them for that. But if it's not like the twenty three game run doesn't matter. But you need to be able to win the games you need to win. Yeah. Because we know our record in playoffs is awful. We didn't. We lost to Bristol City. We lost to Grimsby. We lost to Reading. And I, to be fair, I'm not that confident going to Derby because apart from this the Bristol season, Rovers and Grimsby games, I feel like we need to like they. No, don't, but I don't think they matter in the conversation. I think they do because it's, I think they do as well. It's it's from it's from a mental aspect that you know this you know this club has never won a playoff football league game in their history, and there's been three occasions where we've been in the playoffs. Where and I think that. Going in, going into a game like this, our record at Pride Park, apart from this season, is absolutely awful. But it's does just... that? I mean, the Pride Park thing matters a little bit more, and I and I can understand that. And and Derby fans might be thinking, we disagree. Got... I completely disagree. Uh, I think that the Pride Park thing matters not at all because we've won at Pride Park this season. Okay, but maybe before then it would have mattered. All I'm saying is that the playoff thing, like shouldn't matter one iota apart from last season last season is yeah but to be fair your form your, your form over the 46 games and going players really isn't that important it's four teams who have every chance going up like I could argue you could shove Burton Albion into the playoffs and they could get to the final quite easily yeah I, I don't I don't disagree with that point I think that it's such a lottery the thing that does matter and I think this matters potentially more than anything is that Fulham should know that on their day, and if they play to their full potential, they can beat any side in this league, right? Yeah. That's the, as in, that's been shown over the last 23 games. Well, we've beaten everyone in the division apart from Bristol City and Bolton. Right, and we're not playing either of those. So that's good. So, you know, we have shown that we can play any team and beat them. If we give it, you know, if you look at Fulham playing, Fulham gets to a final and they play Aston Villa, and we're, we play our, you know, hearts out, souls out, and, 
and it, it's one of those things where we lose to like a Jack Grealish wonder strike in the fifty in the you know in the, in the last minute, and that's how it ends. And it ends three two to Villa or something like that. You can you can look at it and be like, okay, we gave it, you know, we gave it that shot. If we play like we played on Sunday, then you can't look at it like that. If we play like we did against Reading last year, we can't look at it and be like, we gave this the best possible shot that we had. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to now, whether they're going to go there and leave it all. But one thing I wanted to ask you before I come on to my I don't think it mattered theory, which I, I bet you all can't wait for. I'm really excited. Um, did the atmosphere catch the players by surprise? I mean, I personally wasn't expecting St. Andrews to be quite as rocking as it was. I knew it was sold out, but it it was intense in there. And, and there were lots of factors on the day. We haven't really mentioned the heat too much. I don't know how much it comes into play. Some other people have been talking about the grass. It was very long. All of these factors combined... The grass is definitely a factor. Well, I mean, I I want to believe it is, but then sometimes I'm thinking, no, that seems ridiculous that professional footballers shouldn't be affected by the centimetre of a piece of grass. Okay, but okay, let's look at the first guy. I know I called out Target for not being in position, right? But look how much the ball slows up. It's nuts. Like, normally, Target can back himself to get back to a winger because he knows that they can only put it into a certain area before the ball will bounce out of play, right? Mm-hmm. This bloke, the centre-back, hoofs it up the wing and it just sort of rolls backwards and just sits up for the for the right-back to come bombing on. And, yes, you know, it's you should know. You should understand. But as we said before, Target's a young player, right? Mm. And so the amount that that ball bounces up and stops is going to be new to the players. And they're going to look at that and be like, what's just happened there? That's weird. But also it factors into the thing we were talking about earlier, which is that when Birmingham didn't come out and press us, we couldn't pass through them the the way we normally do because we couldn't play that kind of zippy football that we're used to and that, you know, really suits our game. And we won't have to deal with that again at Derby because Derby don't play that way. Derby will water the pitch. Maybe not. You know, to the extent that we'd wanted them to, but it'll be a night game for one, which Kearney's already highlighted as being, you know, more conducive to the style of football because of the grass wetens with dew and things like that. Mm. But also, Derby don't play like long ball football, so we yeah. shouldn't have that issue. But you know, we you can understand how that kind of thing catches Target out because he's going the centre back's going to hoof it down there. That's going off for a goal kick, but it's not. But you know, and that's different, and not what you necessarily expect. I mean, if the grass in my back garden was that long, I would, I would think about mowing it. Um, atmosphere, Dom. I mean, it was rocking in there from the Birmingham fans. I felt like also the Fulham fans were were quite subdued on Sunday, understandably so when you're two 0 down. But I felt like it all just caught us by surprise. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You can be surprised by the atmosphere at St Andrews. They've got they they are one of the biggest clubs in the league. They've got probably one of the best away supports in the league. And yeah, just, but at home, I yeah, but yes, yes, because whenever we've been there, it's not been a sellout. But surely, if you if it's going to be a sellout, you know all the all the fans are going to be piling. They're going to be up for it. They need to stay up, and we know how good their away away fans are. That's why I expected Ellen Road to be like. Yeah, that's what you expect going to Ellen Road, going to like the Nottingham Forest. But Ellen Road wasn't like that. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's the atmosphere that you'd expect. That's that is that isn't like an it was a very good atmosphere. But that's what you'd expect a decent sized club home atmosphere to be in the big one of the biggest games of their season. I don't know how any Fulham fan was surprised by the noise that Birmingham City were making. It's Birmingham City. It's not like we're playing. We'll Bert- do what we want. Yeah, it's not like we're playing Burton Albion. It's not like we're playing Barnsley, who, to be fair, have decent fans. To be fair, it's like that's what that's what you expect if if it was the biggest game in Sheffield Wednesday season. You expect the atmosphere to be like that. Maybe and, it was uh, just bit. Maybe it was just I didn't quite fathom how much was resting 
on it because I've, I didn't really see it as a conceivable possibility that they were going to go down. Yeah, but it's it's, it's, it's Birmingham. Like you either support Villa, you either support Blues, and obviously Blues is one nearest to the centre of town, and all the people around the Digbeth and the area like that, they're all Blues fans, and obviously it's they're they're, they're yeah the second biggest club in the city, obviously, and I obviously Birmingham fans won't like me saying that, but yeah, not at all. No, but I mean they are a big club. I don't know how any Fulham fan can be surprised at the atmosphere they're making. That is what I'd expect for a yeah, team of that size, the, as we said, like the likes of Forest, likes of Villa, likes of Leeds, likes of Sheffield Wednesday. You'd expect that, even like Huddersfield, you'd expect that sort of atmosphere from those fans. I just don't think, for some reason, Fulham, some Fulham fans, some reason, and the team weren't expecting it. Yes, Fulham fans are subdued, but it's what happens when you're 1-0 down in the biggest game of the season. I mean, yes, you could argue that maybe if it was, if we had an, if we actually had a crowd of less than a sellout, of a 1,500, it might have been a better atmosphere because you'd have the fans who've been going all season who like to, who like to chant and stuff like that. But... I mean, also something that Sammy and I talked about at the time. Really weird having opposition fans behind you. Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't happen that much no, anymore. No, it happens at Arsenal and Liverpool, and sometimes Brighton because you've got. But obviously, they're more like bo- they're more like boxers at Brighton. But yeah, it was weird. I mean, my, like really vocal fans behind you. Like at the, at the Emirates, you're not really going to get that. And, yeah, and it, Liverpool, it, it, Birmingham City aren't really a club who's going who's going to get day trippers. Especially for a game like that, it's just weird because that you see that stand every time, every single week. That top tier at St Andrews never is, is full. Ne- well, it's never open. Yeah, but they were going to sell out, so they're not going to not sell it. No, yeah, but no, they, it's, it's actually been closed before for like, as in that they just had to stop yeah. selling it because basically they kept throwing. I'm surprised points they didn't. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised they haven't put the away fans up there and then have the home people below. Well, it's too small, isn't it? I guess so, but. I want to come on to my little theory before right, we, here we go. take a break. This is Sammy, a bullshit theory. Can you get your tin hats out, please? Because Sammy's got a theory. Right. I have seen, obviously, lots of debate ever since Sunday saying Fulham were one win away from the Premier League. And that is the fact. That is the simple truth. You look at the table and Fulham, had we got a win on Sunday and everything in the entire world stayed the same and the stars all aligned uh, in the exact same formation as they did on Sunday, then yes, Fulham would be a Premier League team now. But I really, really think that if Cardiff had needed to score a goal in their game against Reading because Fulham were winning, then Cardiff would have won. If you look at it like this, so from what I've seen, I've seen watched quite a bit of the Cardiff game. Cardiff went hell for leather at Reading on Sunday in the first half. They really did try and get that opening goal, make it in their own hands, etc. And although I think the fans would have known that Fulham were leading and that probably would have translated through to the players, it didn't look like it changed their tactics or, or dynamic in that first half they were looking to try uh, and and break through ready and get and get a goal just to make sure it was a hundred percent confirmed they see at half time that fulham are two nil down and everyone at that ground is happy with a draw in that scenario because reading need a point and cardiff need a point more than they need a win in the sense that there's no point us risking going one nil up because going one nil down was so much worse for them because if they did go one nil down it would give Fulham a lifeline because they would just need to get two goals three goals was always looking quite difficult you know for Fulham so I think they were thinking let's preserve the draw you saw in the 94th minute that the Cardiff goalkeeper Neil Etheridge held the ball for 45 seconds and no one went to challenge him for it all I'm saying is that if Fulham were two nil up at half time let's say at St Andrews that it would have completely changed everything. Cardiff would have known they had to go get a goal. And Reading would have been safe. 
all but because they'd have known that Derby was smashing Barnsley and they'd have known that Birmingham were the ones in trouble. So Reading would have just... Come on, you're telling me that a Reading side that would have had nothing to play for, they couldn't even go up a position in the league and, and against a Cardiff side that would have been rampant for 45 minutes, desperate to get into the Premier League, wouldn't have found a way to get a goal. I just can't believe it. Of course, I can't predict exactly what would have happened. But well, yeah, I just but cannot can... believe that Cardiff would not have found a goal in that situation. And the 0-0 draw is a direct result of what happened at St. Andrews. Potentially. I don't think that... I think your theory basically stands up. Apart from the fact that I think that if... Cardiff started getting nervous and started trying to score, you know, out of like, you know, when you know when you need a goal and you start getting desperate. Look at Kevin McDonald's kind of wild shots at the end of the game on sun- on Sunday. You know, when you're desperate and you're looking for any sort of lifeline, you start to lose the plot a bit. You don't suddenly start playing like really good football and scoring, you know, good goals. And I know Cardiff are scrappy and I know that they get goals from set pieces and things like that. But, you know, if they start to lose their nerve, then it's the exact same situation. Them being comfortable is one thing. Them completely losing the plot is, is, is could have a similar effect. And I don't think it's mad to say that if Cardiff came in, saw that Fulham were winning 3-0 at half-time, they wouldn't have panicked and just like absolutely like left themselves exposed to lose lose on their own. But I just think a Reading team with no motivation well, to keep Why did Birmingham out? have any motivation at half-time then? Because they knew that the results were going in their favour. But they didn't exactly... Because... No, things still could go wrong for Birmingham. Things still could go they wrong for Birmingham. They needed about three or four teams to bottle it. Or three, or they needed three or four teams to get results they need, sorry. But like the, 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 the theory does that, and it is a, it is a valid point, but it's, it's not really relevant because we just should have just done our job. I don't care if... It's not defending yeah, Fulham's yeah, performance. I don't care if we're winning that old Cardiff would have gone. That I, don't, I couldn't really care less about that. It's just the argument that I've been seeing, like... I've, I totally understand. I was upset that Fulham lost on Sunday. I, don't get me I wrong. Wasn't, I wasn't, it was just the I fact wasn't that upset people... that we lost. I was upset in the, in the way we lost. I couldn't care less if we lost yeah. the game. But and then, but then also, it Cardiff. Yes, they would have got gone for it if we we're in the lead. But that 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 isn't the point. I don't. I, I couldn't care. I, as, as long as our team, as long as our team did what we needed to do, I wouldn't care less. Like if we if they were three 0 up in the first five minutes, Cardiff, and then we won two 0 I couldn't care less. But it's because. Yes, you could say yes, they would have scored a goal, but but they they they, they might have not scored a goal. And if we if let's say we score two goals in the last five minutes, we go up because I don't see Cardiff getting a goal in the last five minutes of that game. Oh well, no, that I think there was the little bit of the risk, and we didn't talk about the moment where Tom Kearney does. The, the only way I could see us going up at half time was just get a two-two draw, and Cardiff to lose the game. Yeah, Cardiff Reading nicking a goal. I think the way that we did, you know, let's say Mitrovic's effort goes, goes in, in, almost catch them by game. catch them by surprise. Yeah. You know, just the element of Cardiff have rested on their laurels. That's why it was a slightly also, risky strategy. Also, people calling that a wanna save need to just stop calling it a wanna know. save. Yeah, it's a good save. It's a good save, but it's like straight at him. Yeah, no, it's a good save. He, he reacts quickly to a shot that is going in, but I, it's not a wonder save. No, it's, no. A, it's a good save. Yeah, but it's a save you expect the keeper to make. Uh, mm, I don't actually agree with that. If, he he, he headers it really it, hard. No, but Betano lets it in, I'll be annoyed with him. Well, Betano let in a, a, a far easier yeah. chance than that. But if, if Soda lets it in, I'm annoyed as a Birmingham fan because he should be saving that. As a good as a good championship goal, as a, te- as a goalkeeper of a team who got promoted last season, you expect him to save that. And I think, yeah, I just think, for, I just thought, I couldn't care less if we lost because Birmingham were literally the better side. I mean, they were, they were the better side, but we were, we, as I said earlier in the podcast, we were just an absolute disgrace on Sunday. And I, don't, I just don't, I just, I just think these whole theories need to stop. We just need to accept they're in the playoffs and Cardiff are going up second. Like, you can't say Cardiff don't deserve to go up. No, because not at all. It's a league table. It just fights itself with 46 games. We deserve to be in the playoffs. Cardiff mm-hmm. deserve to be in second. Yes, you can play 
really nice football but to, to go up in the championship you need to play effective football and yes it's been effective for the last 23 games but it just wasn't effective in the time we needed it I think I think the thing with Cardiff you look at the amount of time spent in certain positions in the league and you look at Cardiff and they have literally been in the top two pretty much non-stop since the start and of the season and if you look how much money they spent They've hardly spent any. They've, yeah, they've, it's an incredible they're bringing, achievement. They're bringing in, uh, not journeymen, but players in the lower leagues. You've got the likes of Neil Etheridge, who was in the Philippines a couple of years ago, not knowing if he had a football career. You had Mendes Lang, I believe, is from League One, League Two. Rochdale, I think. Yeah, Rochdale, who, who a brilliant story, just about stayed up. And I think, yeah, I think Cardiff, you can't, as much as we dislike Neil Warnock, we don't like the football they play, you can't disagree that they, that they don't deserve it. No, over a 46-game season, that's what it is. They were the second best team. Well, you don't you don't <clears> go up by playing the nicest football in the league unless you're Wolves who play effective nice football. And you don't win the league by and you don't, by playing the best football in the part in the last twenty five games. Yeah, you, it's, and, it's a forty six game don't season. Win the league if you lose it, the likes of Sunderland and Burton. Exactly. Well, uh, there's loads still to come, and we've got uh, a stack full of questions. Uh, Jack's got the post bag. Uh, that's all coming up in just a second. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love Tim Ream and Matt Target. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Don Betts. Hello, hello. Uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating on either iTunes or Facebook, it's always much appreciated. Five is the number we go for. Five is the number we like. Who's number five at Fulham? Yeah, Rafa Suarez. Oh, right, yeah, that's not mentioned. I was going <laughs> to... Five stars is what we want. We don't need any references to Rafa Suarez. Uh, oh, we also need to make to remind to leave the podcast, because I think it's currently 1-1 between me and you. Oh, yeah, we did ask I people got, someone, to... Someone gave me on Facebook, and then I think someone either DM'd or sent, said Sammy. Yeah, you have got to vote, Sammy. If I've I... got no votes. Can someone vote for me, please? Yeah. Like, Mum, can you vote for me, please? If while you're rating the podcast, you fancy telling us who your favourite podcaster is, it's just it's a, a, little bit, it's a little bit of fun. Uh, that, we got that... a couple of shouts out for you yesterday on the um, on the Instagram live. Like, where, where's Dom? And it was like, is Dom Best the legend going to be on the podcast? No, I was in bed, because I had, I probably had as much no, sleep. On, are you going to be on today, mate? They were asking oh, for of course, today. I'm gonna be on today. Yeah, because so they need my rants. I'm really, I hope you're, I hope you're glad. They that need Dom's my here. rants. Also, I'm, I'm sat here in between the middle of the old firm. Dom's in his Rangers shirt, and obviously we've got just uh, the Celtic man Jack to my right. We are. The I feel like Queens Park in this uh, podcast environment. Yeah, that's what you are, Queens. You are the Queens Park to myself. I'm firmly Dom's Rangers. <laughs> Fraserburg. You're just a location. Imagine which you know, we you're, use. Prob- yeah. no, you're probably Fraser. You're probably Fraserburg because they, they're playing black and white and they have FFC on their badge. Okay, nice. You can have it. I, yeah. I like that. Don't ask why. Actually, Foot Manager is obviously the reason why yeah. I know that. But also, they got in a cup tie against Rangers. Yeah, but I knew, I knew from FM12, so you oh, can mate. pipe down. Post bag. Yes. Okay, so we've got loads of DMs. I'm going to work through the DMs first. Oh, and then many we'll see man was sliding. Like There's a Campbell. lot of people yeah, sliding. What about the post the bag, though? Yeah, no, sliding in the DMs, left, right, and centre. Um, right, this is from Ali Gilliers, I think it is. He says Hi, lads. Over the last two seasons, where we've had a few games where we've had to win and we've not delivered. Brentford last season to secure our playoff place, obviously both Reading games. Brentford this season to respond to Cardiff and Villa wins and Birmingham on Saturday. Is there a mentality player problem in the squad for the big games? Why can't we perform in these games? Does this worry you, you whites? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but why? Why? Sammy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you. But is there, like, 
yes, he's picked, he's picked all the games where we have yeah. like bottled it this season, but also Millwall away. He's also he's also picked the biggest games though in our season. Realistically, Millwall away, massive game, and we didn't bottle it. No, but re- if you if you look at the Reading game, you look at the Brentford game, you look at look at the Birmingham game. Yes, I know it's picking particular circumstances, but, but Brentford was no bigger than Millwall. No, I'm not. No, I mean the Brentford game last season. At home, yeah. Well, we oh. had to win to secure our player place, and we relied on Leeds not beating oh, whoever sorry, they were playing. I see what you mean. <laughs> like Brentford, yeah. I think Brentford game this season was just us another t- game turning off for like two seconds at the back. But no, he's got he's got a very good point. And I agree with him. Like, I don't want to use the term in a podcast because it's. I just think, it, it, although it is, and that's the literal definition of it. But I think it's just our players. Men, there is a mentality issue. Like they're playing a team who's like fifteenth in the league. They'll batter them three or four nil. But as soon as the pressure, reason, like, I think they need to see like a psychologist or something. Because wasn't it? Okay, so there's been teams you've seen Steve psycholo- Peters or something. Yeah, they've seen teams who've seen psychologists and it worked. Get Darren Brown in, mate. Just get just get get Daz in. <laughs> Hypnotise them at Pride yeah. Park before get, they go yeah, on the pitch. No, pretend pretend the team's like who's the team we all batter? Pretend it's like Barnsley or something. And then just, just like I don't know. There's been lots of big games. I saw someone trying to say historically as a club we bottle it. I think well, this may be that on, is technically true. No, this is on tip. And the first comment was think Juventus might think differently. Yeah, I mean, we've lost in our two major finals. We lost in the playoffs last year. I mean, you can, it's an argument where you can just base. You can. It's like stats. You can just. You can pick the ones. you Yeah, want you can just mould it around exactly. your argument. Yeah, he has. He has got a very good point. This this current team, I think, does seem to have some sort of mental edge. The the best way they can correct this whole theory, though, and put it to bed, is by, by beating Derby. I also feel like if we have enough performance like we did on Sunday, Cameron on will bottle every player with a bottle of single malt scotch around the head. Bucky. Yeah, bucket. Just getting the bucket out. Getting the bucket. Right, this, we're going to move on. We're going to go through the questions quickly. This is from Anthony Fernandez, who we've already called out as not being the QPR chairman. He says, "Big question to me is how should or even could Slav manage the squad? It's clear players are tired, but resting key heads feels like a massive risk. Would you make changes? Yeah. Well, I I almost going to let you propose the change that you mentioned to me yesterday, Fredericks for Chris. Oh yeah, Cyrus. Oh, Cyrus starts for me at Friday. Um, I, I think that that's. I think Fredericks needs a rest. I think he's more. He's going to be more effective at home where he knows the surface. Cyrus is. He knows what Pride Park is like. He knows the surface. He knows how Derby going to set up. He knows the players, and he did really well when he came on the weekend. I think Cyrus Christie should start. I, a also, right back. I also would drop Dennis Adoy to be honest. I bring in bring in Tom Callas because they are. They're not. I'm not saying they're a, a route one physical side, but you got Cameron Jerome, who I think would be all over Dennis Adoy. Where I think Tom Callas, yes, he hasn't been the greatest this season, but I think we're going to need that more physical presence at the back. I've I've also like thought about like dropping Tom Kearney genuinely because I thought he was so diabolically. Just an absolute just disgrace on Sunday. That it like maybe not come on. Right, maybe not drop him, but don't give the captain armor to Kev. Oh, well, that's do going that. to go down well. You can't do that. I don't you can't, care. No, you can't do that. So, so just, right, not... mate, just put. No, we need to do right. Matt O'Reilly, number ten. Right, we'll win yeah. the game. I'm telling you. Yeah, if we hadn't left Shawnee Kavanagh go, I'd start no, him. I'm, tell- at I'm telling you, Matt O'Reilly, number ten. It will work. Look, we're not going to play. Have Matt you not O'Reilly. seen him football manager this year? He's unreal. Look, he's sitting in my Premier League team. Sammy, what changes would you make? Enough from you now, Thomas. Um, I I thought you were a bit mad when you mentioned the Cyrus Christie thing at first, but then I kind of dwelled on it, and I actually think that's spot on. And I think I would like to see uh, Cyrus come in at right back the only other change I think I would make is Aite from the start instead of Piazon yeah, I, yeah, gee, lo- I, I, would, I would agree with that I, I thought he looked effective when he came on you know he was he assisted the goal 
I mean, it was a bit of a terrible defending more than Oite's good work. But, you know, he actually had some composure inside the penalty area rather than just Abubakar Kamara and just smash it. Or like Fredericks, who made quite a few poor decisions. I also decisions would bring in Kavana onto the bench. Kavana needs to be on the bench. He needs to be on the bench. I said this during the, well, vlo- not, the vlog. I don't even know if Kamara should be in the squad. Yeah, I think he should. He does add He does add an element. He I also was, I was also quite surprised we didn't bring Rui Font on on the weekend. Was he on the bench? Yeah, he was. Because yeah, it's like, I know Ke- Kenny had an awful game, that, but also we needed a number 10 who was also playing sort of like 10 and a half. Like, just someone who would be closer to Mitrovic. Nine and a half. Whatever the number I'm looking for is here. Nine, ten and a half. Yeah, whatever. Whatever number. But Font would have been close to Mitrovic. Mitrovic kept getting the ball in the first half and the second half, but no one was anywhere near him because obviously we're playing more of a 4-3-3 than a 4-2-3-1. But if we mix it up to a 4-2-3-1, Font's going to be a lot closer to Mitrovic and I think he would have got chances. And I think that Font has something to offer off the bench and he clearly cares. You see, If you see what he does when Mitrovic scores against Sunderland, he goes absolutely mental, probably mental than half the people in the Buddy Hammersmith stand. The only um, ones that might be enforced on are obviously we don't know uh, whether Target's yeah, going to Target's be. If Target's injured, for me, I I wouldn't put Cesc at left back. Obviously, I'd, I'd actually but he move. Will, he will. I know. That. I would like to move Adoy to left back. Yeah, but he won't do that. I know he won't do that. But I I would think. I, would, I don't understand why he doesn't do that. No, Adoy's clearly I'm not. capable there. Yeah. When he arrived, it said it's, they said it was his best position. I just Slav's just like a bit of an idiot sometimes. I think. But he doesn't play. He's not much of a fly. He's not a flying fullback, is he, Dennis Adoy? And that's what Slav likes. I know he does, but then I just think it just forces us to play like the force. That means if you move Cesar that means Piers on starts. Yeah, which he shouldn't do because I've said this multiple times. He's he's a very good technical player, but if he, if he doesn't score, what does he do? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's a reasonable point. I don't. I, I don't care if start. he's passionate and loves to and loves to. Go. I couldn't care less about that. There are plenty of games that Lucas Piazon could play in, but I don't think this is one of them. No, he's more effective in the home game. I would say that away from home, I, I don't agree. think he's effective at all. So right. we basically, well, the thing I think we've concluded there is you do need to rotate the squad. Yeah, hundred percent. And Derby will. I'm pretty sure Derby yeah. will. Right. Okay. This is from Brett Pund. He says. After TC's comments before the Birmingham game that this was the last chance of Fulham before, because players will move on, do you think that the mindset for Zess, TC, Fredericks is we will be in the Premier League regardless? Is a, do you reckon that's affecting them? I saw that. I, I could. I saw that with Kearney and Fredericks because they looked like they didn't care. I don't it, know if they didn't care. Well, they played like Kearney was playing like he didn't give a shit. As far as I'm concerned. Kenny was just trying to play his standard floaty style. He loves nothing more than being the man in the middle that picks up the ball and pings it 30 yards. And he likes to play this language style. Sorry? We've got Ollie to do that. But, like, he... he No, he just... He doesn't like to get stuck in. And sometimes I think that comes across... I don't think this is a Meza Urzel situation where... We've got a question asking if Kenny suffers from Urzel Berbatov syndrome. It's, a, it's an argument to be made because yes, I don't know how, one. I don't know how he made team of the year, how he's not played it yet because he's a, he hasn't had a, he hasn't been that good this season. He's no. been good. He was nowhere near what he's like last season because he knows he's going to be. He knows he's going to be in the Premier League next season because there's no way we don't sell Kenny in the summer if we stay down. There's absolutely no chance of happening. I wouldn't want him to stay because he wouldn't want to be there. And also, he it's his last chance to go to a Premier League team. And I don't think anyone begrudges him that. I think that's like we've 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 phrased that in a very negative light. But I don't think any genuine Fulham fan would. would no, I've said this many times that I would want him to leave in the summer anyway. I feel like he deserves his shot at the Premier League. But he, I don't think there's an attitude, especially from. Kearney Fredericks I know less about but we all know kind of Kearney's lifestyle and the fact that you know his family love the club I think he genuinely loves the club he loves his life
life and you know going to Hackersand with his girlfriend and all that and, and where he lives in London I think he's built himself around being the captain of Fulham he would love nothing more than to go up with Fulham I almost should have showed that on Sunday then <laughs> I, just, I honestly, he was, he was playing like he didn't care. He did come to the fans. I wasn't expecting him to. You know, and he, he scores the goal, and he, he and he, he was a bit passionate about that. And I think there is something in that number ten position, and and Ozil's suffering it right now. And Berbatov didn't play number ten, but like Berbatov did played where he wanted. Yeah, exactly. You play that kind of playmaker role, and it can sometimes look like you to don't be fair, care. Berbatov literally single hands he kept us up. Look, the the the, the role of a trequartista, Dom, as you know, know, means that you forsake defensive duties in order to create opportunities yeah, but, in the final third. And also, like Berbatov is, totally, I'm sorry, you can't compare the two because Berbatov it's, is arguably one of the best players ever had. It's irrelevant. It's just the point being, you know, that that is he was he he was having this Ozil Berbatov like syndrome. Right. That he, he was playing like he didn't he didn't care as a captain. I thought, as I said, he was, he was diabolical. I just didn't see what he offered. He was just he he was so not dynamic with the ball whenever he got it I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not defending his performance it was shocking but I cannot accept that he doesn't care and um, who was the question asked the once about Mesut Ozil I feel like actually we give him a shout out because we kind of indirectly answered it uh, Luke HJ97 he says did Sunday show that Kenny might suffer from the Berbatov Ruiz Ozil syndrome no, where the whole no, team no, no, don't know my boy Brian <laughs> that's not happening I'm not having where that. the whole team oh, has to would... be on song for them to perform their magic the actual follow-up to the question is actually quite good. Is if so, is it a worrying sign if we get promoted when we won't dominate the ball for most games? I think if we get promoted, Kenny's, Kenny's, play, Kenny's playing a different role. I don't think I think he's going to be more not more drawn if that if that's the way, but he's going to have to have more defensive. The Aaron Moy kind of role. Yeah, I can I, I can see that. And if Huddersfield go down, I think we should go for Aaron Moy. I don't think we don't need two of them. I know, but I'd rather. But in the in the Premier League team, I actually think that Aaron Moy is more effective than Tom Kearney. I don't know about that. I don't know if you can say that until no, you've seen Tom okay, Kearney maybe, in that role. Okay, maybe obviously Aaron Moy can play the Hanson role. So can the likes of John Joe Shelby. Well, obviously we're not going to get John Joe Shelby, but it's just the same sort of player. I don't. I, just, I don't see in the Premier League that Kearney's going to be one to spread in the passes. He's not physical enough. Yeah, there's not some really. This let's go some positive vibe. I think because I think we've 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 got the negativity out of the system now. And we need to look for you look for look forward. I've got a bit more left in me. No, you you've got to stop the vitriol. But now. even before we start the question, I think that is a really important thing that maybe we should have touched on earlier in the podcast. That as a fan base, yeah, we need to turn it around now. We need like we have to turn it around just as much as the players do. And I, I really hope we sell out on Friday. And I know it's we won't. Dom, that's not the attitude. You're literally ruining the positive vibes. We're not going to sell out. Well, look, if you if you look, tickets are going to go on sale to members and season ticket holders tomorrow, right? It doesn't matter, right? Whether we sell out or not, if we sell out, what three thousand one? I'd rather we didn't sell out. If we sold two thousand five hundred tickets, no, but I'd rather we didn't sell out. Why? I'd rather we bring like well, we bring fifteen hundred or two thousand fans. It's going to be fans who really want to go, and there's going to be a better atmosphere. I think if anyone's we, going up to Derby on a Friday night, they yeah, really want Fulham to go. Fan, Fulham, I've said Fulham away games. You know the better atmospheres, and not when we sell out the away. No, I know. But look, if you are a Fulham, you know if you want to come and you want to make noise, you want to sing and get someone to get you a ticket. There is going to be season ticket holders and members who have spare tickets all over the place. I've got four on my account and my but cousins if, that if, are like if seven. It was, if it was like if it was two thousand allocation, like we were expecting, we would have sold out. But I just can't. See 
Galaxy is bringing 3,000 fans. Okay, well, that's fine. But I'm saying that there are going to be tickets. If no, you, you want to be... go, you can go. No, 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 but I'm not saying... I was saying, obviously, I'm not here to control who goes and what, nor are you. But it's, it's more... I was more saying that if you think that you, you know, you're going to go up there and, and get behind them, then get yourself a ticket, whatever, however it takes. People are complaining about train prices. Yes, it's expensive, but so it's you a get when you book a train a week in advance. Well, that happens. That's what happens. And you have to deal with that once, in a, once a year. We get into this and, you know, we, we get behind them and that's what we do now. I think that's kind of crucial to us I, putting I, it behind issue, us. And this is... I don't want to get into this because I, I hate getting to sort of argument, but, I mean, surely... A tr- okay, train without a rail card was probably like 40, 50 return? Yeah. And then with a match ticket, what's that, 70 quid, right? Mm. I'm sorry, if you... if you, I don't. I know not, not everyone has that sort of money, but, like, if this, if you love this team, that's not nothing, but it's the money you, you have to pay if you, want to, if you want to follow a team around the country. Well, yeah, I, I think... Also, like, bear in mind, it's a Friday night, right? Most people... And okay, maybe this is an over exaggeration, but I'd say the you know the majority of people will do something on a Friday night, right? It's not going to yeah. be a sitting and so like if you go clubbing on a Friday, if you go clubbing on a Friday night, you're going to spend fifty, seventy quid. Exactly. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk about it. I think you know at first when I was like, oh, you can't get home on the train, that's going to be a real nightmare. But we've got round that. We know how to get home on the trains. The trains back are ten or ten, aren't they, Sam? It was really, really cheap. So, Ten with the know, rail it's expensive card, to get up. I agree. Yes, and and if it if it means going on the coaches or whatever, where it's you know fifteen pound return, then fine. Yeah, you like, can always get the coach there and not get, get it the, back. You can always get the coach. I don't up. think you're supposed to do that, but no, yeah. you can. I know you can, but <laughs> but well, no, some there's certain times where I've not got a coach up but got it back. Uh, but you know, a lot of midweek games, Bolton midweek, I think in our first season in the championship, I got I got to train up with my mates, got up to Manchester nice and early. And then obviously I didn't want to, I couldn't I couldn't afford to pay pay for a hotel in Manchester and stay out, so I just got a coach back. And as long as you book a ticket on the coach, you have a space on that coach. Fair enough. So, but yeah, look, there are options. If you, you know, and I'm, I think what, the coach is only like seventeen quid or something. Yeah, it is. What we're saying is, if you know, if you're going to get behind it, let's let's get this back on track now. Let's get this, you know, thing to turn around and, and really start to get behind them again. And you know, if we come out there on at, at Derby and we're all really subdued and you know, no one's making any noise, then they're going to notice. They're going to notice. Yeah, the noise levels weren't great from everyone on on Sunday, and there was there was extenuating circumstances: the the result and the score, and the fact that Birmingham fans were were near us and all of that. But you know, I think at some points in the second half, it was a bit sad that the fans weren't really there. I don't think to pick up the team, and I'm not like picking out other people. I'm I was part of the crowd, and I didn't you know, get anything started either. On on Friday, they we, they really need like our support and like if you can get there if you're if you're worried about not being able to get a ticket don't let that be a reason there will be ways and means contact contact the podcast will we like we're not turnstile talk but we'll do our best yeah exactly. turnstile talk can help you we can also help you there are lots of people on twitter that can so you know if you're worried you can't get a ticket it's that's, not going to be like not... Birmingham where everything is sold out and no one's going to have a shot at it. There are going to be tickets available over the next couple of days and we need to you know, really make that count. Yeah. And that was that was what I was trying to get out. Let's go a positive question for that. And let's go. This is from Jono at FFC John. He says, has this been your favourite season as a Fulham fan? For me, it's right up there purely because the football's been mesmerising at times. Certainly the best Fulham team I've supported, even though it's in the championship. Um, yeah, I th- I'd say so because of because uh, I'm only 22. It's only since I say I don't really sort of I, don't, I would say I only start becoming a proper fan when I was maybe from about 12, 13. When that's when I started going to like m- not just home games, going to the away games and that. And yeah, it has. I mean, last year was very enjoyable because it was so surprising. But I think this year's been more enjoyable because there's been so many good away games this season. You've got like the, 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 no matter if we go up, my moment of the season will be Middlesbrough away. 
I don't care if we win at Wembley. Middlesbrough away will be my favourite moment of the season just because we didn't deserve anything out of that game. And then Norwood scores a last-minute penalty and then obviously ended up on the pitch, but that wasn't my fault. Then you have Preston, Calling over the advertising you have Preston away, another last-minute winner. Barnsley, I don't think anyone saw the third goal because everyone was down there anyway. They saw it hit the back of the net. You've also, you've, you've also got the likes of QPR away. That although it, the last 10 minutes weren't good, that was great, and I'm not usually a fan of that. Mill away was quality because I usually hate London away, but it was actually a really, really good away game. So this season has been great. Obviously, last season, you had the likes of Huddersfield, which is quality. Obviously, Sheffield last game of the season. But yeah, this season, I guess as a fan, because I've been to every single game, is, I mean, and it started off with Poznan and Darmstadt. So, yeah. At the moment, it's on an equal footing, I think, with the Europa season. I think if we go and win at Wembley, it becomes the best season ever. Yeah, I agree. I think just the football we've played has been absolutely mesmerising at times. And I think that we forget that sometimes when we get into these moments. And yes, Sunday was bad. And it was a bad, it was a speed bump and, and we hit it and we hit it hard. But, you know, we've got to get back and, and believe that this team can do what they did Although for I so still long. Don't, I still don't think we've topped the Leeds home game last season at home this season. That was no. a moment. Although we did say, I was listening back to the podcast after that game, we said that that goal would go down in Fulham folklore if we got promoted. If not, it meant nothing. Quote Don Betts, 26, uh, 2017. Yeah. Um, and so, potentially, that's a... Well, no, it's not remembered for the game. It's remembered as it's the only time we've actually been proper limbs in Hammersmith. It was good in, limbs. Like, since, since like Hamburg. 2010, yeah. yeah. But I think that's an interesting point. There have been some people saying that, you know, this season counts for nothing if we don't, if we don't go up. Yes, of course. It's a, obviously not... It's a failure if we don't get promoted, but that's, that, you can't take away the memories. There's a brilliant um, article up somewhere at the moment. I can't remember quite who it's by, but if you search it about, it's about the myth of the Premier League. Oh, um, we spoke to him today on um, the radio show I work on, John Nicholson, John Nicholson uh, yeah. Football 365. Great article. It's about this myth that if you're not in the Premier League, things don't matter. Look, if we don't get promoted, it's going to be sad. It's going to be really sad because we've, we've been good enough this year to, to have warranted that big chance of promotion. And we've been the third best side in the division. The table doesn't lie. And... You know, if we don't go up, it's going to be a you know a bit of a travesty because we deserved. Our, I think we deserve our shot up there. But it's not the end of the world. You know, we'll lose players. Of course we will. But we'll be back next year and we'll go again. And that's not, you know, the the worst thing that can happen. And I think that in perspective, that it is very important that we now rally and we we get behind them again. Cool. Have we got any more questions, or is that's that pretty much your lot? about it? Cool. Well, thank you so much for your questions today. So there is another podcast coming up this week. It's not going to be as long as this one. It's pretty much solely focused uh, on Derby County. We're going to be chatting with Tom and Richard from the guys with the best podcast name in the football podcast world, Steve Bloomer's Washing. Uh, they're going to be chatting to us all about the upcoming game at Pride Park. We're mostly just focusing on that first leg, but just generally, it's quite a nice little chat. Just looking forward to having a bit of a more informal conversation with them and a little bit of pre-match banter, as much as I hate using that word. Yeah, I hated that loads. <laughs> I really didn't enjoy that piece of the podcast <laughs> uh, with, with those guys. So, yeah, uh, make sure you're listening for that. That should be out probably about Thursday morning. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be uploading that, so hopefully you can catch that one. So, Jack, what we call in today's podcast... Sunday afternoon blues. Nice. I thought you might call it shit the bed after uh, Tim Reams. Uh, I did enjoy Tim Reams saying that. Comments in. I the did. Bed. I did like. There was always the brums made that we commented on something, wasn't it? Yeah, which was very good. But I think just Sunday afternoon blues might yeah. be the the one that worked. Good stuff. Well, we will see you in the next podcast. Uh, which, as I said, should be dropping either Wednesday evening or Thursday morning. Thank you for listening today. Tough listen at times, but there's some huge games coming up and 
If you can make either one of those playoff games, then or if you're watching them around the world, then we need all the support we can get wherever you are. So uh, come on, you whites. Thanks, Jack Collins. Keep the faith. Thanks, Don Betts. That's right. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Laters. Toodles.